Good morning. It is Tuesday, November 29th. It is six minutes after 10 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And Representative Andy Biggs tweeted out on Sunday, drill in America, not Venezuela. But the Biden administration isn't listening. On Saturday, the Treasury Department announced it would allow Chevron to resume limited natural resource extraction operations in Venezuela. Drilling. Yes. That's drilling. That's a fancy way to say drilling. Yes. The oil will be exported to the United States. So this is another example of the United States under Joe Biden enabling and emboldening very dangerous lunatics who hate this country because they know Dirty work has to be done, literally and figuratively, in order to power and run this country. But because they are so beholden to another group of dangerous lunatics, that they can't do the stuff that actually needs to be done here. So they just say, well, we can't do it here because the green dream fetish people will lose their minds. So I know... We'll give Venezuela the opportunity to make all the money. Mm-hmm. Now, you might say to yourself, actually, let's, so drilling is drilling, right? Can we can we agree on that? Mm-hmm. Like, I know words don't have meaning anymore, but can we agree, Casey, that if you drill, you are drilling, mm-hmm. right? Like, whether you drill in America, you're drilling. Whether you drill in Venezuela, you're drilling. Whether you drill in Russia, you're drilling. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So here is what Biden said about drilling. Just a, it was this month? Mm -hmm. Yes. There is no more drilling. I haven't formed any new new drilling. I am not for any new drilling. Mm -hmm. So therefore, if you are refusing to drill in your own country, but are giving American-based businesses the ability to drill in another country, mm-hmm. would you not then be for drilling? Drilling. How is it that it can hurt the environment if we drill here in this country? <laughs> but if we say, you know, you go ahead and drill in your country, that's not going to hurt the environment. Bingo. So right there, there you are. This is the point. This is the hypocrisy of these people. And this mm-hmm. is what we talk about. It's it's no different than these people who, look, our own uh, esteemed governor here claiming to be concerned about the, the environment and then getting on a jet and going to Egypt mm-hmm. or Al Gore having a bajillion lights in his house or, you know, these... John Kerry, the climate czar. Right. These people with, with private planes or mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio in the boat. I mean, they're... They're hypocrites, right? They don't believe it. In the case of the Biden administration, in the case of the politicians, they have recognized there are a bunch of just complete and utter crazy people who have been indoctrinated and mind warped into this stuff. And we recognize that they are not only reliable Democrat voters, they're now the base of the Democrat Party. So we are placating these these people. And this, I mean, this is just such a great example of that in which they want you to believe, well, I guess drilling in America would harm the environment, mm-hmm. but in the same world, where, case last time I checked, Venezuela on the same planet as the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same, you know. Mm-hmm. It just shows the hypocrisy of like, when we enter into all these climate accords and China says we're not doing that, I always wonder, well, then what was the point? Mm-hmm. Like, isn't it the same planet? Do we all, I always heard as a kid, you will have to breathe the same air. Right. But- other countries don't do the same things that we do. All you're doing is harming economic and energy independence 
in this country by doing this. The announcement said that the targeted sanctions relief is based on concrete steps taken by the Venezuelan regime to restore democracy in their country. (laughs) So why not work with democracies that are already in place? Like ours? You know, like ours. I mean, we're not a, we're a republic. We're not technically a democracy, but you get the idea. So John Kirby, who's a Biden spokesman, uh, got asked about this. I think this was Peter Ducey that had the audacity to ask him about this. <laughs> and listen to him try to explain it away. And on the sanctions relief for Venezuela, yeah. why is it that President Biden would rather let U.S. companies drill for oil in Venezuela than here in the U.S.? That's uh, not an accurate take uh, on the president's view. Earlier this month, he said no more drilling. There is no more drilling. (laughs) The president has issued 9,000 permits for drilling on U.S. federal lands, Peter, 9,000 of them being unused. There are plenty of opportunities for oil and gas companies to drill here in the United States. I'll let Chevron speak for this particular issue of sanctions relief, but our expectation is it won't be a lot of oil coming out of there. It'll have to be shipped to the United States. So, so okay, a couple of things with this. Number one, I'm for no more drilling, mm-hmm. but I've issued 9,000 drilling permits. Mm-hmm. So either A, you're full of crap, or B, you're a pathological liar. You know, it's like Diego Morales. Did you did you not take the right homestead credit, or did you not vote correctly? Pick, pick which one. Uh, but they're not going to answer that. And then the other part of this is, so we're led to believe that Chevron, a gigantic mega corporation mm-hmm. who is... In it, last time I checked, like all other businesses, to make money, would engage in a process and a cost and the startup of a foreign country for what fun? Like, are they setting up soup kitchens in Venezuela? This guy's like, ah, oh, there's not going to be any oil coming out of there. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be any money being made. Yeah, Chevron's just over there for fun. Right. Uh, <laughs> they didn't export six hundred thousand barrels a day in the past. <laughs> Like you said, they're, they're they're just there for fun. So Senator James Reich of Idaho, who is the ranking ranking Republican on the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee, said we have ample untapped natural resources to make the U.S. energy to make U.S. energy independent, but the president simply refuses to use them. Sure, because he is beholden to a bunch of maniacs, and that is not changing, and apparently people in this country are okay with it based on how they voted. The Republicans are certainly not going to do the steps necessary in the House to make Biden have to do anything, and by that I mean choke off the money. Uh, Senator Bill Cassidy Mm -hmm. uh, weighing in on Biden's energy policy. You cannot separate energy security from economic security and national security, and by the way, from climate either. If we produce oil with our energy, with our environmental standards, it's less carbon footprint. It creates more jobs for the average American, better paying jobs. It increases our national security and the security of the Europeans. This administration has chosen to focus only on carbon emissions, which means that we get more carbon emissions. Uh, uh, They're burning coal in Europe because we can't supply them with gas and oil. But at the same time, we lose jobs here. Our national security weakens, our economic security weakens. This administration, their energy policy is wrong on all fronts. Mm. So by lifting these sanctions on Venezuela, it's just another attack on American energy. The president is just hell-bent on not letting us be energy independent. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because his base 
the money, the activists, the door knocking, the uh, creative jelly bean counting, the ballot harvesting, all the stuff. Mm -hmm. These are the people who make the trains run on time. He is not going to anger those people. And apparently enough Americans are not willing to stand up for themselves to make a difference. So why would he change? It's the same thing we talk about here with the Republicans in Indiana. Why would they make school board elections have to have party affiliations? Why would they give uh, solve the property tax assessment? Why would they give you back all of the money they've taken with no Who's use for Who's going to stop them? Nobody here punishes them. Right. People just roll over and vote out of fear of Democrats. So why would they do anything for you? This is what we keep trying to hammer home to people. You have to punish the politicians. If they don't do what they say or what they promise, you have to let them go. Some sometimes the next person that's in after them may be worse, maybe not, but at least then it gives you an opportunity to get the next person in there who will actually do what they say because this person is not going to do what they say. Joe Biden, the Democrats are fine with you paying four dollars for a gallon of gas. They're, they're fine with it. They don't care. He's been saying it all along, though. Yes. He campaigned on this. Yes, this should not be a surprise to anybody. This is a, he's he's doing what he said he was going to do. You know what my favorite thing is, Casey, and then we can go to break. What? And I know I've said this before, but I'm, I'm going to say it is again. Is it working with me? Well, it is. It's, Should n- be. it's number one. Should be one of the top. Uh, it's learning uh, that Kevin doesn't wash his hair every day. That was my second favorite thing. <laughs> and then the third thing is yeah. someone who hates my guts, yeah. who spends three hours a day, <laughs> every <you>. day, <laughs> hate listening mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. and then they think, like, I care at all what they think or what they say, and that I do anything other than sit and laugh. That is that is the best part of this job, is knowing how many people who loathe my very existence sit there and obsess, listen and comment and everything else. You are the best part of my day. Now we can go to break. Okay. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It is 18 minutes after 10 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Elon Musk has announced that his platform Twitter is going to publish the Twitter files. It involves the company's previous history of censoring free speech. And I'm all right with that. Let's see what they said. Show us what you got, Elon. So my question on this is when you acquire a company Mm -hmm. of this magnitude do you then get all, all the files all the correspondence i mean as someone who has in a previous life bought and sold businesses mm-hmm. typically with the business like emails and things of that nature are not although i guess maybe they would be because i'm thinking like like if you buy a business, businesses usually have emails that are specific to the business, but there's a company that owns the business. Am I making sense with this? Like if you own Acme Inc., mm-hmm. there's a company that owns Acme Inc., right? Okay. Acme Inc. is not always owned by the Acme Corporation. So as such, whoever owned Twitter, whatever it was, wasn't exactly Twitter per se. So Mike, I guess I'm in a roundabout way asking, do all the emails come with the purchase? 
Because when you sell a business, you're blinking at me like you have no idea what I'm asking well, you. Well, I mean, no. yeah, I, and, I, and that's fine, I, because I am not making any sense right now. But in my mind, I was making sense. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I'm saying? Like, like okay. You, you, do, you do get the contracts, typically. Right. You buy a company. You buy out all their contracts as well. It's all part of it. Okay. So here, here's an example. All when, of the- when, when I sold my radio station, mm-hmm. okay, the person bought... The radio station. The equipment. And the, the equipment. License. The land, the license. Mm-hmm. Right. But they did not buy my company that owned the radio station. Like I had a company, like any business would, mm-hmm. who owned that radio station. We sold that property, that you know, intellectual right. property, so you're, whatever. You, so you're saying you didn't sell Rob Kendall LLC. What you sold was WXXX. Right. I, did, I didn't hand over every... So I didn't right. hand over my email server from the company that ran... That company, mm-hmm. right? Does that does that make sense? I'm trying to figure out in a in a sale of this magnitude, mm-hmm. I, and I guess I'm really asking this is a for those of you inside baseball here, this is a terrible job of radio hosting that I'm doing right now because I'm asking a question that is interesting to me, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if it's actually interesting to anybody else. Kevin's laughing because he knows exactly what I'm talking about here. This is an it, this is a, a nerd question here. I'm just trying to figure out how he got access to the stuff mm-hmm. and if that was all included because you would have thought. In the lead up to the acquisition, there would have been some way, by hook or by crook, somebody they, was deleting <laughs> files. Yes, because they had to. Would have had to know. I guess roundabout way, it took me three minutes to go somewhere. I should have gone in five seconds. That's what I'm curious about. Well, clearly they didn't delete the files because Elon Musk is saying that he is releasing them. He tweeted out the Twitter files on free speech suppression, soon to be published on Twitter itself. The public deserves to know what really happened, and. Uh, that includes the censorship that they did regarding Hunter Biden's laptop. Right. And everything. So he's going to release all of it. And the whole basis for him buying the company was that they were trying to shut down free speech. Right. And he wanted to stop that. Here, here, Here is the question out of this, though. Because let's say, let's say he has all these emails. By the way, I'm sure it was like, I'm wondering when he got in there, was he was he he being Elon Musk on day one? Like I'm gonna I know these are here. It's like searching through your attic mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. stuff that you know is you know is there, and you find it. And go ah, there it is. Mm-hmm. Or is it like something they stumbled upon? But the follow up question to that is, let's just say it is the absolute smoking gun that proves everything that Twitter was totally in bed with uh, the Biden administration. Mm -hmm. Twitter was totally in bed with the mainstream national media. Twitter was totally stifling free speech. Twitter was totally suppressing uh, posts based on someone's political leanings or the leanings of the post. Would anyone, what's going to change? Like, I already know this. I already know this happened. This is not, hey, here's the guy who was on the grassy knoll who assassinated Kennedy. Mm Mm-hmm. I already know that they did this. Okay, so we have talked in the past how Elon Musk is the P.T. Barnum, right? He's an exceptional marketer, and that's part of it. And you know what? I've said this before on the air, and and, and somebody sent me a, a laughing emoji that I actually said it, but that's part of it in marketing, which is what Elon does, right? It's expectation, realization, memory. So he said, I'm gonna buy Twitter. Right. Expectation. And then he bought Twitter. Right. Realization. And then memory. Hey, remember when I bought Twitter and I found all these files? Here they are. He has the receipts and now he's going to let everybody see him. And that's his, he can do that. That's his purview to, to do that. Elon, the brilliance of Elon Musk, as we've talked about many times, is not that he is the smartest man in the world. It's that he is the greatest marketeer 
in the world, right? And the Twitter purchase, while he is somewhat leveraged in the sense of buying this as a financial risk, when you are that infinitely wealthy, you don't actually worry about risk. I was watching a podcast yesterday, a famous, it was actually a guy who was a once upon a time, a famous wrestling promoter was talking about this. And this guy had some ups and downs personally, financially. And he was talking about the way people take risk who are entrepreneurs. And I obviously not on the magnitude of this level, but on some level I can relate to it as a much younger, more, uh, less fearful man of not dying in a gutter, um, that you don't worry about the money lost. You worry about the ambition of the moment Mm -hmm. and what the moment could possibly produce, recognizing that there is also a strong possibility that you might fail in the process. And so my point on this is when you are as wealthy as Elon Musk and people say, well, he's lost whatever it was, $100 billion this year. He, he doesn't care. He don't care. Like mm-hmm. as weird as that seems to it sounds to people mm-hmm. and people to people like us, it is absolutely like, wow, that would be you'd be, you know, someone would need to make sure you don't go in any tall buildings. To a guy like that, it's like, so what? Mm-hmm. This is this is way what he is getting out of Twitter to Elon Musk is way more gratifying than $100 billion. He does not care if Twitter loses money. Mm-mm. He does not care if he's leveraged. He will just go on to the next thing. He'll put a rocket in space, Starlink, something new with Tesla. Mm-hmm. He he doesn't care. No. He tweeted out last night, I believe this was, this is a battle for the future of civilization. If free speech is lost, even in, even in America... Tyranny is all that lies ahead. And now Apple is threatening to remove Twitter, the Twitter app. And now he's saying, you know what? Forget it. We don't need them. I'll just I'll just release my own phone, the the a Pi phone, right. I believe is what it's and, called. And there's a and there's a clear difference between doing what Elon Musk is doing. Cause I was thinking about this last night with Kanye West. Like Kanye West has lost billions of dollars in wealth, but he has nothing positive. Two, two billion. Yeah. He has nothing positive to show for it. Like there's nothing. Kanye West is getting tons of media attention, Mm -hmm. but none of it is anything that you would say, wow, that will really allow you to leverage into the next great thing. He's lost wealth and it's gone. Mm -hmm. Elon Musk has lost wealth. Technically, one, he's obviously infinitely more wealthy than Kanye West, but he is leveraging that loss of wealth into making himself in the eyes of many people an American hero. Mm-hmm. And that to someone like that, that is something he will further leverage in the future to do other things. And that's worth the loss. Absolutely. Yeah. It's Kendall Casey on 93 WIBC. And uh, coming up next, we're going to hear from you with your voicemails. The phone number 317-684-8444. If you've got something to contribute, bring it on. It's 93 WIBC. I'm so sorry you have just reached my answering machine. 317-684-8444. That's the voicemail line if you'd like to contribute. We do appreciate it, and we mostly like hearing from you. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Uh, okay, so bevy of phone calls based on yesterday's fabulous radio show mm-hmm. and uh, multiple people calling about what is going to be the 
issue. It's it's math and formulas that it is going to be the issue. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be the issue in the sense of it's going to be addressed, because I actually don't think the Indiana Republicans are going to do anything about it, because they like high taxes, and they like placating uh, their local government uh, agencies, mainly angry, red-shirted teachers who come and yell at them by participating in legalized vote buying, which is high taxes. So I don't think they're actually going to do anything about it because they don't fear you. I mean, this is going to be the theme going forward. Because I always, I always think about, like, how do we move people, right? When I come in here every day, I think, how do we move people? Because we always say, uh, and this, these are my thoughts, not Casey's, but... I have two goals here, to entertain you and educate you. And I feel like if I do those two things, then I move you to do stuff. So this past year, the election, we moved about 35,000 people Mm -hmm. to vote in a certain way. The math kind of shows that based on baseline voting for previous elections. That's a lot of people. It's not nearly enough. So I walk in here every day and say, how do I motivate people to move more people to move in the direction that they need to move, not for me, but for liberty and freedom and the betterment of their own lives. And one of the things that is very abundant is there is a great deal of fear in voting. And by fear, I mean fear of the if, if, then. Like, if Mm -hmm. I do this, Mm -hmm. then this will be the result. Mm -hmm. And what people need to realize is their fear is what these politicians in both parties they're banking on they that. are banking on it mm-hmm. because they don't fear you the same fear you have of the non-existent not in office what if other side is the fear that the politicians should have of you and the reason the republicans are not going to do anything meaningful on property tax reform and these assessments, despite it being the perfect thing in their wheelhouse based on their own party platform Mm -hmm. in the state, is because they fear agents of local government. They fear angry red-shirted teachers way more than they fear you because you have proven you will vote for them no matter what out of fear. Mm -hmm. So my goal for the next six-ish months is to try to motivate people to make the politicians fear them more than they fear the unknown. Is that fair? It's fair. All that being said, we got a call about property tax assessments. Hey guys, so I'm down here in Decatur County uh, down in Greensburg and my property tax went up over $1,200 a year. I saw it, but like you were saying, people are actually going to start seeing this sooner. They're going to feel this when they're paying their mortgage every month because mine went up $100 a month just over $100 a month. It's insane. Anyways, good work. Love you guys. And and we and we were you here when the people were call, had you started yet mm-hmm. when the people were calling in with their assessments? Yeah. I mean, it was it was many people was between 50 and $100,000. Mm-hmm. Well, simple math and there are various, you know, credits, etc., homestead credits, assuming you took the homestead credit in the county in, in which you vote. In the proper place. Hi Diego, I hope you're having a good day. Mm-hmm. Um the uh, but simple math would tell us if your home went up fifty thousand dollars in assessment, mm-hmm. your property tax bill as a one percent of that would rise five hundred dollars a year. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, and it may be a little more, a little less. But if it's a hundred thousand, which many people were telling us, hey, my assessment went up that much, that's a thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. How is she going to? I mean, what is she going to? She's going to have to rebudget. 
Sure. An extra $100 a month. They, they being the state legislature, so by state legislature, we mean the Republicans, they don't care. And as our buddy from Marshall County yesterday, Jesse Bohannon, who is the county council member, pointed mm-hmm. out there, the assessment, uh, and I'm using my words to describe the assessment policy, not his, but his post was about the assessment process. The assessment process is so flawed and so unaccountable and so lacking any semblance of check and balance mm-hmm. that the local governments, even if they cut your taxes to record levels in terms of tax rates, cannot offset right. the, the assessment. assessments rising. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in cahoots here. The Republicans down at 200 West Washington like it because the angry red-shirted teachers who get all the property tax revenue, the school systems, they're happy. The Republicans go, whoa, <laughs> boy, that's a, that's really terrible. We, uh, you know, we would love to help you out, but that's just a, that, you know, system's broken. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like John Candy in, uh, in uh, in vacation, you know, uh, the, the park's closed. Moose outside should have told you. System's broken. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, somebody should have told you about that. They don't. It is designed to take your money. The system is desi- designed, local government, state government, whatever, to take as much of your money as possible. And until you start doing something about it, and by that I mean punishing these people who are in charge, they will continue to take as much of your money as possible. Well, it's not only affecting homeowners, but it's also affecting businesses as well. And if you're a business, a small business, and you're getting this property tax assessment increase, an extra $1,200 a year, what are you going to do? You have to turn around and pass that on to your customers. Yep. Now, th- and think about, we're talking about people who are 1%. Okay, so we're talking, we are talking about 1% homeowners, right? The property tax system when it was set up, and this is where when people do the Mitch Daniels is the greatest guy in the history of ever stuff. No, he did some good things. But when they set up the property tax caps, okay, the property tax caps were set up in 2008 and then put in the constitution in 2010 to choke off out of control local governments. The, the, The schools, the towns, the cities, they were completely out of control. The homeowners were sending a message and saying, our home is not your personal piggy bank. And so what the legislature did, because again, they fear angry, red-shirted teachers more than they fear you. Are you talking about the people who are asking for more competitive salaries? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what they're that's what they're asking <laughs> for, right? Um, and that's it. Uh, they what they did was they said, well, okay, we'll give you the property tax caps, but we're going to come up with another revenue search for these people. When the message from the voter was there's too much of our money going to them because they're unaccountable. So when they did the tax caps, they raised the sales tax and that money flows directly to the teachers. They still took your money. They just, just did in a, a different they way. They just did a sleight of hand. The shell game. And when they did these tax caps, they said, okay, well, we get uh, we get it that the, 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 the homeowners are upset because, uh, yeah, the property taxes are out of control. So we'll cap them at 1%, and that's pretty reasonable. And it was at the time. Take away the referendums that are a total abuse of this system. That is not right, but it is at least something you could explain with a straight face. 1% of your home every year, wrong, but at least you can explain it away. The businesses, though, they said, we got to get the money from somewhere. And businesses don't vote. And what's Walmart going to do? Not build a Walmart? So the businesses, they put them at 3%. 
It's still taking as much money as possible. This is what people need to get through their heads. Indiana is not a low-tax state. Indiana is not a limited government state. Indiana is not an accountable government state. Indiana is a state in which many people who are Democrats put ours next to their name, and they take as much of your money as possible. All right, next phone call. Sorry, rant over. I didn't intend to do that, but I feel like you forced me to do it. <laughs> I made you do that. Uh, okay. So yesterday we were talking about the failed former Surgeon General Jerome Adams mm-hmm. and how he's trying to say that he's had trouble getting jobs. The Trump be- effect. Because it's Trump's fault. Mm-hmm. And I had pondered on the air. And what people need to realize is we're on here for three hours. <laughs> we talk for three hours every day. And occasionally... We talk about things that either weren't planned or when we're talking about something that was planned, there's a sidebar conversation. By the way, here's what I think we should do, Casey. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if our bosses will go for this. You yeah. know, we're getting ready to take some days off. Yeah. Because we have so many experts who on Twitter or mm-hmm. the phone calls mm-hmm. or the YouTube chat uh, tell us everything we're doing wrong with this show. Mm-hmm. I think we should ask our bosses if we can pick two randos mm-hmm. and give them the show for a day. Right. And let's see if they can make it through one break. Yeah. What do you think? I love this idea. Let's see if they can make it through one break. Let's do it. So I have to be stuck in the room with them? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah Kevin. You're yeah. still here. No, you're, yeah, unless you've got time off, you're stuck here. <laughs> I think that would be fabulous to see if they could make it through one break. Point is, we get phone calls all the time when you say something, like you're just freewheeling off the top of your head, and you're like almost asking yourself a question, and then you forget you're asking it out loud, and people just within 20 seconds are Everybody's like- Everybody's an expert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I- Asked the question about the failed former Surgeon General Jerome Adams. He is an anesthesiologist. Mm-hmm. And I believe I had said, I think he's a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. I think that's a medical doctor. It should be a medical doctor because mm-hmm. obviously it's super important. Mm-hmm. Well, then there's just a flood of phone calls because I had the audacity to out loud ponder before I looked it up while we were on the air if indeed that was a medical doctor. And I said it was. Yes. Was you, I right? You were right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But yeah. but uh, somebody was wanted to definitely make sure that I knew How that. How could you not know that? How could you not know that? Rob Kendall. <laughs> My name is Beth. I was a surgical nurse for 20 years. An anesthesiologist is one of the most important mm-hmm. medical doctors in the hospital. Yeah. They have incredible responsibility in putting a patient to sleep. They are the captain of the OR. Yes, they have to have a medical degree, and you need to look it up, <laughs> and you need to thank God if you have to have the surgery that they are taking care of you. Thank you. Well, I yeah. certainly, one, hope Jerome Adams was a better anesthesiologist than he was Surgeon General or Health Commissioner. Mm-hmm. But two, I think I said on the air during the segment, which means that woman mm-hmm. has us on speed dial. <laughs> and as soon as I even posed the, because I think in the segment, I looked it up and said, yeah, it, it is a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. And I think I said even initially, I think it is a medical doctor. But this is what people do, Casey. We have this effect on people where their whole lives <laughs> center around us. And in a bizarre way, they think like if, if just for one second they think oh we got him oh my god we got, we got, him. We got him I'm smarter than him and they will call or they will it's very odd you know what I will I will be honest with you Rob Kendall I was a little surprised that you questioned that well that I didn't it, know I didn't know if it was a thing I would I, I think it said I assume it is but I think part of it too Casey was medical doctors are some of the smartest people mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. and I could not imagine that someone as just 
ridiculous. As and a, Jerome Adams Jerome would be Adams, in that category. Who apparently, because I asked the question based on masks, because remember mm-hmm. you tweeted, don't wear the mask, don't right. buy the mask, they don't work, whatever. And then all of a sudden, you're a terrible, awful person who wants to kill grandma if you don't mm-hmm. wear a mask. I said, there's no way somebody that uninformed could be a medical doctor and not know whether masks work if he'd been a medical doctor. That's how it started. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently he is that uninformed. He, yes, apparently, yes, he is the uninformed. So if you're a medical- Educated, but uninformed. If you are a medical doctor and you see Jerome Adams out and about town, hopefully he found a job. I guess he did. Is it at Purdue? Is that where he's working now? I think he's at Purdue doing something there. Yeah. Uh, So maybe your daughter could do this. Uh, If she knows any medical doctors, if you see Jerome Adams out on the street, you say, you are giving every medical doctor a bad name because you don't know whether masks work or not. You know, Purdue is going to be hosting their goodbye Mitch Daniels soirees coming up. So that might be a good opportunity to make my presence known. There you go. Okay. Do we have more phone calls? Well, we do. We'll get to them next hour. Hammer's next. All right. It's 93 WIBC. 24 to 17. That was the final. Hammer's in the studio with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So here's my question. Do we need an interim head coach for the interim head coach? Oh, good question. I believe your current interim head coach is probably ultimately going to be your general manager, but that's just me. I think Jeff Saturday is probably lobbying for Ballard's job at this point. I think that's the job that he wants. How could you hire a guy to be the general manager who apparently doesn't know, which is weird because he spent a gajillion years in the NFL, that inside of a minute, if it's chaotic and the clock is moving, you call a timeout! (laughs) Yeah, that was a bad look. (laughs) If I know it, look, if I know it, and Hammer, I never played pass freshman high school football. Now, I was a starting linebacker on the freshman <laughs> high school football team, but I never played it past that. Apparently, guys who are 5'8 and 155 pounds just don't have a future <laughs> in the league. But if I know it, if I know it, shouldn't the guy who was Peyton Manning center, who we were told is this football genius, who is a, a won Super Bowls, shouldn't you know? Things are kind of chaotic out here right now. Let's just burn. We got three of these bad boys. Let's burn one and reset everything. Kids who are playing Madden know how to run the clock better than that. That was bad. That was real bad. And no remorse. He doesn't feel like he did anything wrong. There's no, yeah, I wish, you know, we had to do over again. I would have done that. No. He said the clock was fine. All in all, crap night last night. I had to watch all of these, you know, Steeler fans and their terrible towels come through and the game was a dud. Colts didn't have a first down until the second quarter. I lost both of my bets yesterday, mm. so I'm a little salty today. And I, I think you threw out some, uh, you had a parlay or something running there, didn't you? For well, I was playing with house money yeah. at that point, though. Yeah, okay. Uh, but ultimately, <laughs> on top of that, the cherry on top of the Sunday on my personal Facebook page, yes. there was some weasel, some worm, and just by looking at his age, he's probably in his 20s. Uh-huh. So he doesn't know bad Colts football yeah, for the most right, part, right? Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I mentioned at one point when it was like 13 to nothing and they hadn't completed a pass, well, what time's that Pacer game come on tonight? And this weasel, <laughs> this little worm, starts calling out my fandom. Oh. Well, I'm tired of all these fans saying that they're going to turn off the game. Kid, let me tell you something. <laughs> You have no idea the amount of bad Colts football these eyes have seen. In the post-Baltimore days, I was seven years old when the Colts first got to Indianapolis. Tell me when you know who Mike Pagel is. Let me know when you can do a report on Art Schleister and all of the things that he brought to town. Tell me when you can pick Jeff George out of a lineup, and then you can question my fandom, kid. Here is my favorite thing about Colts games, is watching the Twitter feed and watching people's emotions swing. It is a roller coaster. We're the worst team ever. This is horrible. 
What a great job Saturday's doing. I can't believe they hired Saturday. <laughs> I get so much joy out of watching t- uh, Twitter during a Colts game. Mm-hmm. It is the glass case of emotion, as Ron Burgundy once said. But I'm not going to sit here and listen to some 20-something worm who grew up watching Peyton Manning yeah. call me out. Yeah. The amount of bad football that I've seen in my life. And it was like this, Rob, you know this, when the Cubs won the World Series. Yeah. Oh, you're just a bandwagon. <laughs> Oh, right. really? Yeah. Oh, really? Did you ever have a Jody Davis jersey? Were you ever excited about Jody freaking Davis? When your team signed Danny Jackson, who was washed up from the Reds? Do you remember those days? Stop it. Uh, real quick, though, the Pacers did win again. And their over-under to start the year on wins was 23, and they're at 12. And I know you bet the over on the 23. Will you and Mrs. Hammer be going somewhere fancy this weekend? Because, (laughs) I mean, you and I could play the rest of the season and get 11 more wins. They are looking good. And last night, game-winning three right in LeBron's face. I love it. Like, that's what you needed after that Colts game. Yeah. Like, one of our rookies, too, squares up, buries it right in front of LeBron's hair plugs. Like, it could not have been any better it was so good. And the Pacers are everything the Colts are not. They're young. They're fun. Even when they lose, you're like, hey, I can't wait to see them play again. This is what the Colts need to be. Right. The Pacers are fun to watch. It helps that they won. Yeah, but even when they lose, they're still fun. <laughs> right. Uh, what's coming up this afternoon? Uh, Tuesdays with Tony. Tony Katz will join us, and we'll have the biggest stories of the day. All right. Thanks, Hammer. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.